What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney From 2005 to 2009 Tyler Hansborough transcended college basketball for the University of North Carolina Tyler is the most decorated and honored player in North Carolina Tar Heels history Hansborough was the first player in ACC history not only to be named first-team All-ACC four times, but to also be named to a first-team All-American squad in each of his four seasons. Tyler brought a national championship back to Chapel Hill before being selected number 13 overall in the 2009 NBA draft by the Indiana Pacers. Sean and Tyler talk about his upbringing and where his work ethic developed. Tyler does not hold back and unveils what it's like being Psycho T. For the What Got You There listeners who love to travel and want to see the world, listen up. We've teamed up with Globekick, who make it affordable to enjoy peak life experiences with like-minded people from around the world. Globekick expertly designs, curates, and scouts global adventures for you to join. Each trip lasts one week and is designed to balance their unique blend of adventure, culture immersion, and relaxation. Globekick has some epic adventures planned, such as cage diving with great white sharks in Cape Town, South Africa, dog sledding and northern light chasing in Norway, and to see the rest, head to globekick.com. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then make sure to stop at globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. Tyler, welcome to What Got You There. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we both attended Carolina at the same time, so I have to know, favorite late-night food spot on Franklin Street for you? <laughs> uh, man, it was Qdoba, uh, but uh, that kind of closed down. The queso did it for me, but <laughs> Joe's joint came in late in the game, uh, kind of after I left. And I came back a little bit and hit that late night, so that was pretty solid, too. Yeah, no, some uh, unlimited food choices there, so nothing to go wrong. What about outside of basketball? Do you have a favorite memory during your time there? Outside of basketball, uh, I don't know. Getting my diploma was a pretty big deal for me, especially uh, uh, coming from a family that, that uh, values education. And uh, leaving Missouri and going to Carolina and fishing school was big. Yeah, no, spending all four years there it was something you didn't have to do. And I know that really impressed a lot of the Carolina fans. And obviously, you just mentioned was so important. So I want to get deeper into that a little bit later. But I want to know, what originally sold you on California or uh, Carolina? <laughs> uh, well, uh, Carolina, um, the reason I came to, to Carolina was basically to play for Coach Williams. And uh, there was uh, no other reason besides that. Uh, I was a Missouri kid, a uh, small town, um, Midwest kid, and I wanted to go play uh, for Missouri ever since I was a little kid. I was a big Mizzou fan, so pretty much all my family pulled for the for the Tigers growing up. And then um, during my high school days, they had gotten into a lot of trouble with the uh, NCAA, and uh, I think there was all these violations and all this stuff that we just didn't know about, so I kind of... Looked at some other schools and I uh, got to know Coach Williams and, and his staff. And uh, that's the reason I went to Carolina. And then, you know, I fell in love with the place. So I still live here and still come back. And everything kind of came with it. What's Coach Williams like in your living room when he's trying to sell you on Carolina? 
Uh, he was just honest, and that was probably the most important part to me. He was an honest person. He never guaranteed uh, anything. And uh, I'm like a I'm a person that likes to work for work for um, what I deserve. And so he never guaranteed me playing time. Never guaranteed me that I was going to be a starter. So I respected that a lot. Where a lot of college coaches would come in and tell you you're going to start and things like that. Coach Williams made me earn it, so I respected that from the from the start. Yeah, I mean, I want to know more about this origin story and what really developed that mindset for you. So what was it like growing up in Poplar Bluff? It was a small town, um, close community. And so, you know, you knew a lot of people growing up. Um, and so pretty much my high school basketball team, we, uh, we've been playing together for years. And so obviously I played with both my brothers um, in high school and uh, a lot of you know, I still keep in contact with everybody back home. It's just hard to get to because the closest airport's like three hours. And so, um, but yeah, that's where I came from. That's where I got all my values is growing up in that small town. Uh, a lot of good people and really taught me how to work. And I was lucky. I mean, do you have a specific memory or an, or an age when you realized you might have a future in basketball? Uh. I would probably say, um, so, uh, about fifth grade, I remember, uh, we went to this, uh, AAU tournament and all these, um, yeah, I know fifth grade is pretty young, but, um, when I was, when I was little, our fifth grade team got third in the country in a basketball, uh, AAU basketball or a BCI, some national tournament. We've done really well. And so I knew from there that, um, had a chance to be really good, but I played basketball literally every day. And so that's what I'd love to do. I mean, I didn't just play it to, um, to get better at it. I played it because I loved it. And so every day after school or something like that, or on the weekends, I was playing basketball with my friends. I'd kind of coordinate pickup games and call all my friends over where we're going to play. And so I kind of lived for that. When did you first dunk a basketball? <laughs> I first dunked it, uh, Going into eighth grade, so uh, in between my seventh and eighth grade summer. Were you just manhandling kids in Missouri at the time? Actually, growing <laughs> up, I was. Uh, everyone thinks I was a, I was a, a big kid, but honestly, uh, I was like uh, six six and one eighty my freshman year. I was, I was on skin and bones, and uh, people, I was getting kind of beat up, but I, I was pretty good, so I played on the the varsity team as a freshman and I knew if I wanted to get better, I had to put on a lot of weight. So I started lifting weights and I started, um, working on my diet, which to me, that was the biggest change is eating more and trying to put a little more emphasis on, uh, eating right. So, I mean, do you think that freshman year was really the most transformational year for you when, when the lights really clicked and, and went on and realized that if you wanted to do this and wanted to be special, you truly had to commit? Uh, man, you make it sound so serious. Uh, <laughs> man, I, I love, I love basketball. I didn't do it as like, uh, you know, I got to gear down. If I really want to be good, get to this level, I got to work. Uh, you know, it's just always, always the type of people I was around is, you know, you, you work for what you get. And so at a young age, uh, my high school coach, who was really tough on me and he made me feel like he cut me any day, <clears throat> even though I was probably the most talented player he ever coached. Um, I worked, I was in the gym every day at like five, but I love being in the gym. I love the, I love the process of getting better. I love working. 
I loved all that. So it was never like, oh man, we got to go to the gym today. I was, I was waiting to get to, get to the gym because I knew all my best friends were going to be there and we're going to be working together. That was kind of where I lived. I mean, it's so cool hearing about some of these other influences and coaches that you worked with that also helped shape that mindset for you and, and how you had to earn it every single day. I just absolutely love hearing about that. You mentioned how you really honed in on your diet. So what was your diet like? And then what did you switch to? Uh, it was, uh, I remember me and my best friend, we were uh, growing up, we were kind of struggling a little bit with strength and, um, we've gotten in touch with this nutritionist and, uh, he worked with us and we started drinking all these protein shakes in, uh, in high school when we started, uh, bringing our lunch to school and we started, uh, eating more. We weren't just waking up and throwing, uh, pop tarts in the, uh, in the toaster and, we were, you know, we we're cooking eggs and uh, making protein shakes later. So we we brought all that to school on a big lunchbox, and uh, kind of dedicated ourselves to getting a little better, and it kind of paid off for us. Yeah, I mean, what did you guys end up winning? Two high school state championships for Poplar Bluff. Yeah, so we won uh, two state championships. Uh, still to this day, it's probably a um, couple of my probably it's up there in my achievements, but. Um, yeah, so small town of 17,000, we were the uh, highest school district, too. So there was, you know, we we're 5A. I know every every state does it different, but we weren't playing against other small schools. We were playing against the most populated schools. We were playing against the best schools in, you name it, uh, St. Louis. We were playing against the best schools in Columbia, Kansas City, all that. So uh, for us to accomplish that and kind of, you know, no one's ever really heard about Popper Bluff. And then we have... You know, me and my brother, we both played in the NBA. Then we had a few other D1 players on the team that played football or or um, JUCO basketball players. So we're we're really talented, and uh, we surprised a lot of people, uh, especially in high school. Who would win one on one, you or your brother? <laughs> we didn't play a lot of one on one, to be honest with you. But uh, I'll give Ben credit though; that was his. <laughs> I mean, one-on-one, he was really good at. Uh, he was quick. He always had a step on me, but uh, it just kind of depended on who got rolling. <laughs> I'm interested in, in role models, specifically in basketball. I mean, for a young basketball player right now, they can go on to YouTube. They've got pretty much access to every single NBA game. I wonder what it's like in a small town in Missouri. Were there NBA guys or college guys you looked up to at the time? Yeah, there were. There was a junior college in my uh, – in my town called three rivers community college. And they had this old school, uh, coach had this old school mentality. And, uh, he, um, he kind of taught me a lot. And some of the players that came through there, some of the guys that I grew up, um, watching and kind of learning from, you know, the average person wouldn't know who they were unless they're from around my, my hometown. But Latrell Spreewell actually played, uh, Juco, basketball and Papa bluff and so he was somebody that i kind of watched a little bit because he came through uh my hometown and played for three rivers and that's somebody i kind of looked up to but he wouldn't i wouldn't consider him a role model um more of my role models would be, you know kind of like my uh i would say no, i didn't really have any role models but i would say my parents and my family somebody i always kind of leaned on for advice and, and uh, looked up to when Latrell Spreewell was driving through Poplar Bluff, was he uh, rocking the Spreewell rims? 
<laughs> were, they, uh, were they spinning through Poplar Bluff? <laughs> I, I think that was. Uh, I think he once he left Poplar Bluff. I don't think he came back. But uh, <laughs> those uh, rims would have came along when he got his money in the NBA. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! So I want to know, going from a small town all the way down to UNC. I mean, what's the hardest part about leaving home there? You know, to me, Chapel Hill's huge. Um, the campus was big, and so I remember I used to call my mom when I'd get lost walking through campus. I'd just be like, well, I'm just talk to me. I'm lost. I have no clue where I'm going my freshman year. <laughs> and, uh, but, I mean, uh, I had great teammates. Uh, Bobby Frazier, one of my best friends. Uh, you know, Marcus, Danny, Mike Cope. They're all in the same boat with us, so we all we got along, and so it made my freshman year a lot easier. Yeah, I think we can all remember walking through the quad and, and having absolutely no idea where we were going and, and just <laughs> calling mom or dad to figure that one out. But, I mean, you had an absolutely polarizing effect on college basketball, and, and the Carolina fans, you were a living legend at the time, and anyone who wasn't a Tar Heel fan absolutely hated you. I mean, as an 18-year-old, I, I can't even comprehend handling that. How how'd you go about handling that? Uh, I had fun with it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was pretty quiet uh, my first couple years in college, um, but I'd get some good reactions. And you know, a lot of people, to be honest with you, uh, expected me to have uh, a big outgoing personality. So when they saw me, they thought I, they just thought they, they knew me from the way I played. And so they're, I guess they're expecting a little bit more. But I used to have, you know, I used to get, some people I used to wear, you know, masks and come to the games and always uh, say something to me. Or um, you probably you probably want to hear about this the stories of uh, NC State fans or Duke fans or Maryland. I'll I'll tell you right now. Uh, I would say Maryland fans were the worst uh, fans out of everybody. It's probably the toughest place to play. Uh, I honestly think that Maryland probably drank five hours before the game. <laughs> All their student section hammered beers, and then come to, then came to the game and just let us have it. Um, but it always was a tough place to play. Did you thrive playing in environments like that? Did you feed off the crowd? Uh, I really enjoyed playing at Duke. It was a it was a special special place. Um, the crowd was really loud, and they were really into it. And it's kind of a one of a kind atmosphere, to be honest. And uh, Kentucky was really cool, too. But uh, Kentucky was really spread out. There's just so many people. But uh, those were two environments I really liked playing at because of the history and and obviously the, the Duke because they're such a big rival. Yeah, I mean, I'd love hearing more about the 2006 game against Duke at Cameron. I mean, besides the obvious, uh, I've heard you talk about how important that game was to you guys. Um, why was it so important? And what did you love so much about that matchup? They had beat us. Um, they had beat us the game before at the Smith Center, and so I remember we were really young that year. And so Frazier was a point guard. I was a freshman. Then you had Marcus and Danny playing big minutes too. And then you had Wes Miller, who was was a was a walk on the year before and didn't get a lot of time. And so uh, David Noel and we were all playing heavy minutes. So. No one really gave us uh, the credit I felt like we deserved. I honestly thought we were one of the – may not have been the most talented team in college, but I think we were the toughest 
Bateman, and I did think Duke was was super talented. JJ, who had been in college, you know, it's a senior year, and uh, Sheldon Williams. Both of those guys were pretty much uh, basketball players that we've been uh, watching for the past couple of years um, in high school and kind of watching their games. And so to go to their uh, our first our first time in Cameron and uh, play against those guys. And the fact that we just lost the previous game, so we were pretty fired up. And uh, to give them their L, obviously, on their home court, senior night was something special. And uh, like I said all the time when I tell people about this, as soon as we beat them, I wanted to get back to Franklin Street and uh, party with everybody around here. Because once you beat Duke at Cameron, you come back to Franklin Street, you swore you won the national championship going down that thing. So it was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, for the people who don't know about Franklin street, the second you guys win a big time matchup like that, I mean, you have 50,000 people storming Franklin street and I mean, just unbelievable experience and memories. And I don't think there's anything better than, than watching those Duke fans cry on their home court and you guys beat them all four <laughs> times. Isn't that right? Yeah. There's no better feeling. Uh, <laughs> the way coach Williams says it is uh, the start of the game when they're really loud than leaving when it's uh, silent. So that's the best feeling. And so obviously I was lucky to get four wins there. We were, so. What about expectations heading to Carolina? I mean, I know you love work and working hard to accomplish certain goals. Did you have goals such as starting from day one? What did you think going into that scenario? No, so when uh, Coach and William started recruiting me, they had uh, – they had Sean May, they had Marvin Williams. And so honestly, I was a, I was kind of coming in here to learn from those guys for a year, come off the bench. And then obviously they had won it the year before and both of those guys left. So, it, you know, it left me with a lot of playing time and a big need for um, a big man. So I was kind of lucky in coming in and, and uh, having to get ready and be ready from the start of the uh, start of the season. What about the nickname Psycho T? First, where did it come from, and then do you like the nickname? Uh, it came from uh, our strength coach uh, Jonas, who's one of my best friends. Uh, I don't know what happened. I was a quiet freshman, and, and I was uh, we we're in there lift, lifting one day, and I, I started screaming. He called. He just called me a psycho, and so he started calling me Psycho T, and I guess everyone had kind of heard about it, and a couple of reporters wrote something on it. And uh, honestly, it, it kind of got out of hand. And I mean, I liked it. Um, I think some people like it a little bit more than, more than me, but I don't really care. I've got many, I've got many nicknames. And so that's just one that uh, I guess a lot of people really like. I want to talk a little bit more about coach Williams and you mentioned just his honesty and that's what really sold you on him. What else about coach is just so special? I mean, obviously one of the legendary coaches of all time, how does he get the most out of his players? Not only on big games, I think any player can get hyped up for a big game, but every day, the monotony of practice. One thing I like about coach Williams and it's probably besides him being one of the honest people I know, is every day he came to work. And so that's something I really respected about him. And uh, I knew when I was going to go in the gym, I knew Coach Williams was going to be in there working too. And every practice, he was going to be there 
And I never felt like I walked into a gym and Coach Williams just didn't care. So I felt like every day we got a little bit better. And uh, that's something that, I'll, that I've always respected and kind of looked up to him for. Yeah, I mean, he could certainly get the most out of his players. And I know he put you guys through some pretty grueling things. Do you have any hard workouts or, or practices that really come to mind when you think about some of the, the toughness he instilled in you guys? I just remember the uh, conditioning test um, that we used to run before the uh, the preseason and how good of shape we used to be in. I guess he used to do this at Kansas too, but they're basically 12, he calls them 12 33s where it's, um, let me think about this. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it would be, uh, three down and backs in 33 seconds. And so you rest a minute and then you run 12 of those. And, uh, I remember we used to prepare, prepare for that test before the preseason. And, uh, I kind of enjoyed it, but, you know, I, I just remember being in such great shape. Uh, especially my whole time at Carolina because practices were tough and things like that. But there's, I mean, there's a few practices when we lost to Miami. I can't remember if it was my freshman year. We lost to him at the Smith Center. And uh, he had this drill called Drill Day Miami where we did nothing but we just did uh, defensive slides for basically 15 minutes. And so that was tough. That was a practice that kind of sticks out. And so whenever we lost the game <laughs> our freshman year, we'd always have a, a drill day, whoever we lost to. And so we knew we were going to be focusing on on uh, some defensive area that we had made. <laughs> At that level, how much of succeeding is mental versus how much is physical? Uh, you know, at this level, I think talent is probably the most important. You know, people give a uh, place a lot of emphasis on uh, – you know, a lot of different things, but I think uh, a work ethic obviously is important. But uh, if you get a talented player that's willing to work, I think that's the best situation. But a lot of it is mental, but I would say, me, I think the most important thing that uh, a college kid can do is is uh, work every single day and get a little better. So you mentioned working every single day to get a little bit better. You were the best player in college basketball. What did a day look like for you? in college is the best player. What extra work were you doing? I mean, just what's the typical day like for Tyler Hansbro? For me, if I was, um, if I was preparing, this isn't game day. Usually on game day, I'm pretty prepared. So I, I don't like to put too much work in, but I will go in there and get extra shots. in. I like to do, uh, in college, I like to do a majority of my work, uh, two days before and the day before a game, but I would go in the gym probably, if it's two days out from a game, I'd go in the gym hour and a half before practice and I'd work with our strength coach, uh, lift. And then I'd go to the court and uh, probably shoot for 45 minutes. Probably got up 250 shots before practice. And uh, I worked on my free throws a lot, especially because that was, uh, that was uh, where I got a lot of points. And so I had a ability to get to the free throw line and so that's something i place a lot of emphasis on when you were doing your 250 shots do you have a specific shooting routine or did you have a specific requirement you had to make yeah i did i usually 
I usually worked on my mid-range game a lot, uh, which is kind of funny because uh, in practice, Coach Williams likes to work a lot with the post players on different moves before every practice. So I knew I kind of kind of knew going into uh, going into the gym that I was going to see about 15 minutes before practice, uh, or 15 minutes of practice was going to be working with Coach Williams on certain post moves. He says your favorite move, counter move and work on things like that. You mentioned that the 09 championship in Detroit, it was almost a relief for you guys. For, for the listeners unfamiliar with that year and, and that team, can you explain to them what was going on with you guys, why it was almost a relief at that point to, to win the championship? Yeah, so uh, for me, I had won National Player of the Year my um, junior year. And so I started out my senior year with the Shannon injury. And, uh, I was, uh, I had missed some games and so my shin was bothering me pretty much the whole year. And so it was kind of tough for balancing, uh, kind of let that heal and kind of taking a step back. And then I think, uh, Ty, uh, who was a big part of, of our success that year had been dealing with the toe injury. And so, yeah, I think we were probably one of the most talented teams in college history. But we had a lot of injuries and things. We we were always just, uh, you know, I felt like someone was hurt or, you know, everyone wasn't healthy. And so for us to win it our, my senior year and uh, after the career I've had, and especially now when you see a, a freshman class come in together and then the same freshman class lead together, it's kind of rare at like a big school like Duke. Carolina and Kentucky. Um, so that was good, especially from our end of, you know, having a, having a group of guys that came in their freshman year and then stayed together all the way till their senior year. And then to win the whole thing um, was great, especially since the year, the year prior we had lost in the final four. So obviously we felt a lot of pressure to win uh, the next year. I mean, what's that feeling like, and how long are you guys on cloud nine for after winning the championship? Yeah, we rode that one for a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we're cloud nine. If there was a cloud ten, we're on that too. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I remember my whole family was in Detroit, and uh, after we had won it, honestly, I wish we would have just taken the plane back and just gone to Franklin Street, but obviously, uh, we stayed there. We stayed the night in Detroit. And uh, I remember just my whole family being there. Him and my uncle, who I'm really close with, had flown in. And, and uh, I remember looking at my family. It was it was late. It was probably 3 in the morning. And I remember looking at my uncle, and I said, I said, Sean, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get much luckier than tonight. Let's take this to the casino. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, we rolled over to the casino. I don't think I've lost $200 quicker than that. <laughs> I remember I looked at him and I said, I guess, it's not, I guess I'm not that lucky. So we left. And then uh, I went to sleep and we took the plane back. And uh, obviously celebrated with everybody at Carolina for the, for the next week or so. 
Yeah, we mentioned it earlier, Franklin Street. I remember Franklin Street that night. We obviously all sprinted up there, rushed it. I remember going from Cadoba down to Players, which is only a couple hundred yards. It took over an hour because there were so many tens of thousands of people. Uh, but one of the best nights uh, a college kid could have enjoyed. So thank you guys for that. And earlier you kind of mentioned just how close you guys were and how rare it was for a class to come in, win a national championship and have everyone pretty much there. And you mentioned guys like Bobby Frazier and, and Marcus Ginyard. And what really forged that strong bond with you guys? For me, I think, um, well, for one, we lived together. So not only were we, <laughs> don't we're around each other all the time. And so, it kind of helps when you uh, when you get along with everybody, but we put a lot of work in, and uh, and we were very competitive, and so we did everything together. So we obviously had a strong bond, and we still keep in touch, all of us. And um, it was it was honestly something special, and uh, but it was great. We had a a good run, and uh, I was glad that we all went out on that note and uh, had such a great experience and we're lucky to be uh, around great people and at a great university. You mentioned how important education and getting your diploma was. You stayed all four years at Carolina. Obviously, you didn't have to do that. Did you ever contemplate maybe leaving early? Yeah. I, uh, my, after my freshman year, I had a really good freshman year, and uh, I was talking to my family a little bit, and I I got a little feedback, and uh, I honestly thought it would have been a uh, a late lottery pick my freshman year, and um, especially the NBA was uh, was drafting younger guys, and so um, I felt like you know I could have had a good chance of going early, and I talked it over with my family a little bit, and uh, I called my grandpa, and uh, I asked my grandpa what his thoughts were. He said, I think you should stay in school. And that's all he said. And so <laughs> then he made up my mind right there. And so I kind of listened to my grandpa, somebody who I always called for advice. And uh, I made my decision right then when he told me that. So I went back to school. Oh, that's cool. I mean, Carolina is famous for some of these alumni games. Uh, the NBA guys come back and then, and then former studs come back and play. And any memorable offseason games that you played with the alumni? <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, Alonzo Morning came uh, came before my freshman year, and uh, I remember uh, watching him in the NBA. I was super excited. I saw him working out. I know he didn't go to Carolina, but I saw him working out at the Smith Center. And I was like, man, it's Alonzo Morning, and uh, so I knew he was going to play with us. And I got super jacked up. <laughs> I mean, I was I was a deer in the headlights. And uh, I remember playing against him. He must have thought I was crazy because I caught the ball every single time I tried to dunk on him. And I missed every single time. I missed every single time. And uh, and uh, that was one of my most memorable experiences, I would say. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> what about who, who are your top five uh, favorite players ever to come out of Carolina? Top five? Yeah. Um, well, I got to say, Sully Wood. Is it, it, I played with him, um, and most people don't know who Surrey Wood is, but Surrey Wood ran more sprints than anyone in the history that has played for Coach Williams. So 
So the amount of respect I have for Surrey Wood is up there. And that's a long story, but um, I would say, obviously, Michael Jordan. Um, to me, uh, I watched him when he was with Chicago, so obviously that was special. Uh, Marvin Williams, uh, somebody who I played with at Charlotte, and I got a lot of respect for him because of the work he puts in. Um, I like Eric Montross a lot. Um, I love seeing him around. I always talk to him. He's great. But uh, I would say one of my favorite Tar Heels of all time is Phil Ford. And uh, I, I've gotten to know Phil a little bit better over the years. And I don't think there's a better Tar Heel out there. And he, he loves the university. He loves the program. And I love running into him every time. And uh, he's a very smart person. And as, as, as a player perspective, when I look at players who've kind of built the way for uh, guys like me to come through. I always think Phil Ford was one of the one of the players that had the most impact for us uh, coming in later. So he's obviously up there. When you look back and encapsulate your total playing career at Carolina, what are you most proud of there? Most proud of? Uh, I was just proud to be around uh, such great people. And I talked to actually – Bill Ford told me one time, he's like, yeah, when I got to the NBA, you know, it's weird that some guys don't even go back to go, go back to their school. And we're so lucky to be part of Carolina where everybody loves going back to this community and being around a lot of guys that are, are family life, you know, guys that you, know, you never, may never have met, but then you, when you come across, you know, they played for Carolina basketball. So you have that bond and uh, you can, you know, talk to them and the network and things like that. So I was just lucky to be part of this whole program looking back and, you know, the, the coaches, Smith, uh, coach Williams, um, coach Guthridge, all those guys. And to be around a program like that, I was just lucky. Yeah. You mentioned that transition to the pros and in 2009, you're drafted number 13 overall by the Indiana Pacers. What's draft night like? <laughs> For me, I just had all, all my good friends at the table, uh, my family, Coach Williams was there, and uh, we had no idea where I was going to go. And and so when the Pacers um, pick was up, uh, Coach Williams said he thought I'd go there. And uh, so they called my name, and I was just really excited uh, to get to the NBA and, and uh, be part of that. So, I mean, the legend Larry Bird basically made the decision to select you. What's it like working for one of the greatest ever? It was great. I mean, he's a heck of a worker, very honest guy. He was at every practice, so I respected that about him. And, uh, you know, he gave advice when uh, when he needed it, when, when we needed it. So it was good to be around him. Man, I can only imagine how difficult it is. I mean, you, you're the face of college basketball and then transitioning to the NBA. And I think a lot of people probably think, oh, it, it must be easy. He, he went from being the top player. But, I mean, the scrutiny, the, the practice, everything that changes, the grueling game schedule, what's the most difficult thing for that transition? Uh, I would say the amount of stress it places on your body. I was, uh, I was pretty much injured my whole rookie year. So um, I got off to a hard start, and uh, not a lot of people realize uh, how tough it is on your body to play 82 games, 
play uh, play a Thursday night in Boston. Then you got to fly back uh, that night and get in at three or four in the morning. Then you play the next night uh, at home in Indiana. So uh, that schedule can be tough, and uh, especially um, getting used to that was difficult. What about just being a rookie? I'm, I'm assuming that the veterans and other guys on the team might look differently to the rookies. Obviously, these new guys are coming in trying to take their job. How did they treat you? Uh, was it different than you expected? Um, <laughs> it, it's a different different atmosphere for sure. Um, you know, from that aspect of a business. And uh, my rookie year, uh, we weren't that good. And obviously, I was hurt most of the year, so there was a point where I was just rehabbing the whole time. I wasn't traveling with the team. So uh, my rookie experience is a little different than most. But, um, yeah, I had, you know, I went from being the man in college to picking up bagels for everybody before practice uh, in the NBA. So uh, my rookie year. So it was a little transition, but, um, you know, being a rookie nowadays, I don't think is a is as bad as it was 10 years ago. You mentioned the grueling travel, the lack of sleep. I mean, was there anything specifically that you were doing in terms of recovery to help heal your body? Uh, I don't think, I don't remember looking back and saying there's anything in particular. Uh, obviously, placing an emphasis on uh, naps and getting a lot of sleep is something that you want to do, um, especially when you get in at odd hours. So that was uh, that was difficult. That was something that I kind of took into consideration. Yeah, I know a lot of the listeners, they always reach out, and they're so interested in some of the people that we have on, and obviously they've reached peak performance. So they're always asking about training things they do, recovery elements, uh, even diet and nutrition. Was there anything you changed up going from college to the pros in any of those categories? Uh, no. Uh, I think uh, I started getting massages more, but, uh, you know, as an athlete, I think most people do that. Um, but I would say, um, I got my own chef and I know it sounds, uh, um, not the, not the ordinary person can just go out and get a chef. But, uh, for me, that was big because, uh, I would come home and my meals would be ready and they'd be waiting on me and things like that. So I did place a bigger emphasis on, uh, nutrition and, uh, I would say that helped a lot. Where was your favorite place to play on the road? Uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, just unreal. Yeah, just the uh, the tradition and and obviously uh, uh, being in New York in front of that crowd, I think was was very special. I love hearing about your experience. You guys facing Miami, they had LeBron, Wade, Bosh, Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, what is that atmosphere like? Ooh, man. Uh, that was, uh, I think about that series a lot because we were so close to going to a finals, especially in Indiana, uh, and knocking out LeBron. But that game seven was tough for us. Uh, for one, it was in Miami and, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I've never seen LeBron play so good. I mean, honestly, I mean, you gotta, gotta give him credit. I mean, he was unbelievable, and they came out ready, and it wasn't really even a game uh, by the second quarter. And uh, they took over, and, and uh, 
thought they were a little more talented than us too. I mean, you've gone against some of the greatest players and athletes of all time. Just speaking to LeBron's pure athleticism, is it like anything you've ever seen before? No. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody be be- being better than LeBron, especially playing against him. And uh, especially preparing for him because uh, um, the ordinary basketball person doesn't realize <laughs> how good of a passer he is. I mean, you can't double him because he, he finds the open guy. And to me, he's one of the smartest basketball players to ever play the game. He knows he knows every play. He prepares. He works. And uh, he knows what you're going to run sometimes better than what we did. So he prepared. And, and obviously, his athletic ability is, uh, to me, he's a he's, – he's He's a freak. I mean, he's the most athletic person to ever play a sport. Now, I appreciate your perspective on that. I mean, being an outsider and just seeing what he's done on the court, it's so cool to hear an NBA player's perspective on him. And a lot of times throughout this conversation, you've mentioned hard work. And, and who are some of the guys that you've been around that you say, you know what, this guy just knows how to work? Uh, I would say, uh, you know, from my Carolina days, Wes Miller was always a real hard worker. And, uh, now he's a coach at UNCG. I see him. He's a great worker and somebody I really appreciated. My brother, Ben, who I've been around, uh, was a really hard worker. Uh, Marvin Williams plays for the Hornets. He was, uh, he was a great worker. And then when I played with the, the Raptors, uh, DeMar DeRozan was one of the more consistent workers that I've been around. He was always in the gym working hard, so I gained a lot of respect for him. Last season, you played overseas in China. Uh, what's next for you? Any idea? Yeah, I plan on playing, uh, whether it's over in China or another competitive league. So I'm not done yet. I still got a lot of good basketball left in me. And uh, we'll see what happens. What about your time right now? You're still living in Chapel Hill, right? Yeah, I'm in Chapel Hill training, in shape, ready to go. Just uh, trying to figure out where that's going to be and uh, enjoying my time. Awesome. Well, Tyler, I mean, it, w- it was a blast and it was almost an honor being able to be at Carolina at the same time as you, seeing you win a, a championship in 09, uh, being one of the greatest basketball players in college hoops of all time. So it truly was an honor getting to, to feature you on the show here and best of luck with everything you have moving forward. If the listeners want to stay connected, follow you, where should they check you out at? Uh, TNS50 on Twitter. Uh, I'm not too active, but uh, um, that's where they can follow me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tyler. Yeah, man. Take care. Thanks. For the What Got You There listeners who love to travel and want to see the world, listen up. We've teamed up with Globekick, who make it affordable to enjoy peak life experiences with like-minded people from around the world. Globekick expertly designs, curates, and scouts global adventures for you to join. Each trip lasts one week and is designed to balance their unique blend of adventure, culture immersion, and relaxation. Globekick has some epic adventures planned, such as cage diving with great white sharks in Cape Town, South Africa, dog sledding and northern light chasing in Norway, and to see the rest, head to globekick.com. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then make sure to stop at globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, 
What got you there? What got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.